Welcome back to another episode of Live Epic Youth Development and Leadership with your friend Daryl Butkin. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Of course, as you who listen to the episodes know, this podcast is all about youth development and youth leadership building. Uh, I talk about how us as parents, educators, and persons in the business sector, in the, in the work environment who are leading young people, youth, and adolescents, in just how we could uh, maximize the, the, the young people in our care, how uh, the children in our care, whether it's in the, in the church space, in the community organizations that we work in, you know, we could ensure that we develop the potential to, to the maximum. Okay, and in this in this current season, we are focusing on our strengths-based approach. I've been digging into a lot of the research and doing a lot of reading, and it's just been a, an amazing learning experience for me. Of course, as I told you, you know, I have a five-year-old going on a six-year-old uh, soon, and a seventeen-month-old. So, you know, for me, this is not just about um, a podcast um, for doing it for and just. For podcast sake, but really, I'm having a ball of a time looking at how I can apply and some of the information you know have been able to apply in my own in my own experience and really just preparing as well for as you know my children grow up to ready to be a strengths based parent. So I hope you enjoy uh, this podcast and that it means something for you. And if it does, you know, share it with uh, your friends, uh, your family, those who you think um, may benefit, of course. And, you know, leave feedback. Uh, you can let me know at any time something that you agree with or disagree with. And I, I would love to hear your feedback and your comments. Okay. So today, we're going to talk about being consciously positive. So the psychologists have realized that we have this uh, natural tendency to be on the negative side of our perspective and our behavior and of our, our reactions. In other words, we have a negative default. We're just naturally wired to respond negatively. So this episode really is inspired. It's almost like a book review um, this season, right? I'm focusing on The Strength Switch by Leah Waters. Now, you got to get this book, okay? It's amazing that this book is not a bestseller. You know, I've, I have a book right now that I'm reading. I won't call the name of the book. It, it's listed as having been sold um, about 2 or 3 million uh, copies. And then I have um, the, Strength Switch, the Strength Switch by Leah Waters. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this book should be selling a, a couple million copies. I mean... I guess for me, you know, the writing style really resonates with me. But beyond the writing style, you know, it has a lot of actionable content. You know, if you're a parent or you're an educator or you're someone who works with the young people in your business environment, you know, the strength switch is really a book that you should have because you could immediately, you know, read a chapter and really have in, in quick order things that you could apply to your parenting, to your educating um, style, to your leadership on the job that could, you know, radically impact uh, the progress that, that you could be having with those young people, okay? So get that book. I highly endorse it and recommend it, all right? And I'm not paid to, to endorse it. So Lucy 
Dakos, you know, said that negativity in general is one of the things that holds people back. And you have to see what's holding you back to get away from it. So I, I want us to, uh, you know, to confront negativity in our lives in this podcast, you know. Don't just assume, okay, I'm always positive. Think about it. Are you really always positive? I know for me, uh, I struggle with this and, you know, confronting this in the book, you know, has helped me to, you know, acknowledge, hey, I have, I have this negative default and I need to work on it, all right? It's just a human nature that we have. So there are four negative defaults that we're going to talk about in the podcast and I'm going to share with you from uh, the research done by psychologists and encapsulated by the work uh, that Dr. Waters in her book referenced. You know, just how we could you know, work on confronting these negative defaults and, and then as a result become consciously positive. All right? Now... I want you to understand the importance of this. This is important because if you are a parent, right, and you stay in a negative space, it's going to, you know, have a detrimental impact on your parenting style and approach. So imagine, you know, you're always seeing and focusing on the negative. It's going to affect the self-esteem, it's going to affect, you know, confidence of, you know, your children, you know, the, the persons, your guardians, sorry, your the children who are in your care, right? And you want to be mindful of that. If you're in the workspace, you know, being, staying in the negative means that you're going to impact negatively, you know, team morale, right? It's going to be hard for you to trust your teammates. And if you can't trust your teammates, let's say you're in a sport, then you can't win a game, Okay. Um, you just really can't be as productive as you should. So in every s- um, sense of it, it's, it's, it's really important. And the same applies in education space. A teacher who stays in a negative default is going to have a hard time educating the students in their classroom because you're going to be focused constantly on, okay, the reason why they did this is, is is some negative reason and not thinking, you know, it could be something else. Not that the child was deliberately trying to be a pain for you or the classroom, right? So this is very important for us to really grasp, okay? Be, could, be cautious with what you feed your mind and soul. Fuel yourself with positivity and let that fuel propel you into positive action. That's by Steve Maraboli, right? So, you know, you could meditate on that at some time. Let's get into it, these four negative defaults. So the first, the first negative default that uh, Leah spoke about in her book is selective attention. Okay, so it's selective attention. You also call it in, in, inattentional blindness. It's a process, it's a process that allows an individual really to basically pinpoint or focus on a particular input, you know, and the, the mind just zeroes in on that while zeroes in on it, sorry, <laughs> while simultaneously, you know, suppressing or, or dampening focus on other things that are considered irrelevant or distracting, okay? So what you do, you like a laser beam, 
you zero in on one particular point and you consider you consider everything else you know uh chump change or irrelevant and you just you know ignore those things okay so what could happen in a case like that let's 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 look at it from the the space of an educator okay so you walk into the classroom and the first thing you look at is Joe, right? He's talking to another child named Cassie, okay? And you're expecting um, a paper to be on your desk, okay? You look at your desk, it's not there. And you just go straight into boss mode after that. You know, you're the upset uh, teacher now, and you start snapping. Joe, why is it the project on my desk? Why are you distracting Cassie, you know, why you're always late? Why this, you know, why, you know, you know, you're, you're always a nuisance. You just go into, you know, you're just upset and angry because whatever paper report was supposed to be presented on your desk is not there, but you, you, you know, you're walking and he's talking to um, a classmate. But it could be something else. It could be that the child is struggling with understanding um, the 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 project, and maybe afraid to acknowledge that, or maybe the child has a an official learning something that has not been diagnosed. You know, I I know of of, of one person in particular who went through the entire secondary school life not knowing that they had dyslexia. Okay, these things are happening. These are real things. So it could be, it could be, um, it could have a genuine reason or excuse for why the the project is not there. And maybe your focus should be on first asking a question before jumping to a conclusion. Now, in the book, Doctor Waters references the gorilla experiment. Now, I want you to write this down. Google the gorilla experiment. There are research articles on, on this experiment. You really should read it. It is um, amazing work. And, and look into what this experiment, you know, from the researchers, what it says. And I'm going to summarize it for you. So, in the gorilla experiment, participants are watching a short video. They have six players. Three are white. and th Sorry, three wear white and three wear black. Okay. So, 30 seconds in, and someone dressed as a gorilla comes into the frame of the video. Researchers found that 50% of the viewers did not see the gorilla. All right? So, this is a, a very uh, famous and well-researched experiment. You can Google it that, that Dr. Leo refers to. It's um, amazing. All right? Now, a similar experiment. Now, so, let me just back up. So in this experiment here, they're watching a short video, the participants, and the players are wearing white and black. And at about 30 seconds in, a gorilla comes across into the video frame, and 50% of the viewers did not see the gorilla. That's selective attention. People are just focused on what they think is important, the black and white players, and everything else is just, um, you know, not important. Now... A similar thing happens with professionals. They ran this experiment with professional radiologists, okay? So 
They had 24 radiologists, and they asked them to perform a very familiar um, lung nodule detection task. This is something that they do routinely as professional radiologists. Okay? So while doing this, a gorilla, 48 times larger than the average nodule, was inserted into the last case. Right? 83% of radiologists did not see the gorilla. Right? So the eye tracking that they used to in the experiment revealed that the majority of those who missed the gorilla looked directly at the gorilla, but they didn't see it. So even experts, um, you know, and professionals, you know, are people who are operating in their domain of ex expertise, they are vulnerable to this, you know, selective um, or this inattentional in blindness or this, what I would call, what they call selective attention. So here's how you as a parent, educator, business leader need to, you know, make sure you... Um, be conscious of this and switch to the positive uh, mood. Do a mental refresh as you enter your or re-enter your classroom, your home, the workspace. Yeah, do a mental refresh. Just, you know, uh, there are different ways that you could do a mental refresh. You know, you could just, um, you know, speak to yourself, say, okay, and remind yourself, you know, to, to be positive, to be focused, Take some deep breaths in and out. Um, anything that could give your mind a nice reset, okay? Ask a question before responding to what you see. And be deliberate about choosing your focus. Okay, so the first thing might click to you is to, 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 um, be, to be, you know, suspect or whatever. You know, maybe adjust that. If you're in a professional space... Be conscious about what you're looking at. Look at the frame, right? What is before you. Look at everything. Make sure you're looking at everything before you make a conclusion. Okay, so I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, that was selective attention. So the next one is negativity bias. Okay, so verywellmind.com has a nice definition for this. It says that the negative bias is our tendency not only to register negative stimuli more readily, but also to dwell on those events, these events. It's also called a positive-negative asymmetry, right? So this negative bias means that we feel the sting of a, of a rebuke more powerfully than we feel the joy of praise. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Can I say ouch again? Ouch. Yeah, so this one probably, you know, you know, hurt me the most because I know about this, you know. Hey, I I would I would feel the sting of, you know, a negative criticism my wife would have given me more than, you know, the good things that she says about me. Right? You know, um and that that is because of this negative bias that I I have allowed your understand to have control, okay? So it's just amazing, right? <laughs> that we allow we could we could list we could list negative things easy, you know, about ourselves and about the people we work with and about our children. And sometimes we struggle to even, you know, list positive things about ourselves, the people we work with, you know, 
the students in our classroom, etc. You know, we could list a couple negative th- uh, positive things, but then we could talk about all, you know, a laundry list of negatives, okay? So, this negative bias, it really affects our ability to develop trusting relationships. Um, it develops, it, it impacts negatively our ability to learn, okay? You know, it's good in one sense to the, have a sharp eye, you know, to be on the lookout. But uh, being in a constantly negative uh, bias phase or state is really not good in the long term, all right? So let's let's go through this, okay? When you meet someone, you actively or automatically place more weight on what you find wrong about them, right? That is what this negativity bias is about. And as uh, imagine that as a, having that unchecked as an educator. That's going to radically, in, in a significant way, you know, have a, a downward drag on your style and your approach as, a, as, a, as an educator. All right? So, the, the goal is to overcome this negative tendency. And I want you right now to pause. Maybe you're driving. But, you know, think about what negative bias have I allowed to influence my view, my worldview, my parenting view, my um, view as an educator, okay? Think about it. Maybe you have, let's start on the parent side. You have a child and you're always been complaining. Is it that you have this negative bias that if you've been honest with yourself, they actually have a lot of good qualities, but you have been really hopping on, okay, all the negatives of, of this child. And think about it in the classroom space as well, okay? So, you know, you have Joey, who, you know, is an animated child, may, probably makes you talk a lot. Um, but are, are there other things? Like, you know, does he have good leadership, you know, abilities? You know, is he generous? Is he courageous? Or are you just focusing on, is it that the negative is what is just standing out all the time? So what happens in a case like this with your child? As a, okay, we're going back to the parenting um, perspective. Your child generally has good grades, A's, A minuses, B's. And the report card has one D. Your negative bias as a parent, you know, you have to be conscious of this right now. Do not spend the whole afternoon talking about the D, the one D. Here's what a strengths-based parent does. A strength-based parent says, you know what? Son, you did really well this semester. Um, and I saw you had one D in math. You know, but... The fact that you were able to uh, use your your uh, strengths and your your ability to focus and concentrate to get A's and B's and minuses on these other subjects suggests to me that with a little effort, you can apply some of those natural strengths that you have 
uh, to become uh, to improve your grade in mathematics and you know we already talked about it we know that you know you have this passion to be um, you know this uh, historian and that's great so we you know to get into a good school we would want to just get um, the mathematics to the level of uh, a B and you would be able to achieve your goals you know but you don't send them to bed feeling horrible because you know they got one bad grade out of several subjects that that's the point that that's really the focus you 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 focus on okay listen the general they generally did well and how can i channel whatever um study habits that they have developed that allow them to do well in the other subjects in a way that could impact on this one they may never get an A in mathematics, and that's okay. But they definitely have the ability to, you know, not fail out. They can, and they can get, um, uh, you know, um, a respectable grade, if, if that's a good way to say it. So, over all in all, in this negativity bias, the focus is on being very conscious about how you give and receive feedback okay so the approach that you should take is reframing your mindset on feedback okay so when someone gives you feedback see it as you know they're giving you feedback on this particular matter this particular uh, issue or topic but don't then apply it to your whole life you know Okay, so I don't like, so someone gives me feedback, my wife gives me feedback about um, communication. Don't then say, oh, then I'm a horrible husband, et cetera, et cetera, because it was just this one thing that the feedback is on. And that's how you need to do it um, for yourself as a parent, as an educator, all right? Self-talk. Now, self-talk is something that psychologists have done a lot of research into, and you can read up on it as well. It's important, you know, speak to yourself, you know, in positive language. And and sometimes, if we're honest, we, we may not recognize it, but from today, you could check. You may, be having, you may have been speaking negatively to yourself, you know, in, in a significant way. But speak positively. Meditation is helpful as well. It helps to bring your mind, you know, at ease, you know, de-stress, and allows you to reflect and and in those moments of meditation, you can reflect about your own life and realize, you know, wow, I have a lot of things going for me. And I have one or two things to work on, like everyone else in the world. But it doesn't mean that I'm a total shipwreck. And if you find yourself finally in a in a slump where you're just wallowing in a, in a, in a pit of negativity bias, right? find an engaging activity, an uplifting activity to participate in. Maybe you get a real um, sense of, a, of accomplishment by volunteering, um, by um, reading a book, you know, by watching a favorite sitcom. Go and do something that could, you know, just lift your spirits, or as we say, lift your vibes, and uh, that should help you in a, a significant way. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, 
we got to switch off from the negativity bias with how we look at our children and sometimes they give us feedback too as um, you know parents um, children say straight from the cuff you know exactly how they feel and don't see it as a total indictment on you and on your parenting they're giving you a comment on something um, that you know they feel it's important for you to know something specific right so next one is projection so this is the, the process of where we displace our feelings onto a different person animal or object right so really what psychologists have come come to understand is that it feels good you know to think positively about ourselves right so you know we see ourselves as great uh, but bad stuff is you know that's all on someone else so the challenge with this is that we could deny ourselves the opportunity for growth because you know we're getting feedback about about ourselves and we just decide nah I'm not the problem I don't have any challenge it's you it's all on you okay So as a parent, the question could be, maybe you're projecting failure or low self-esteem onto your child. You know, the beautiful thing about childhood is just that ability to dream, to say, you know, I want to be an astronaut. I want to do this great thing. I'm going to, you know, build a big company, etc., etc. Sometimes... It's possible as a parent, you know, you may project failure or that low self esteem, telling them, you know, hey, those those goals are too much, you know, why don't you just get a job? Uh you could come and work at um my company, I could put in my word um at HR when you finish uh your college degree or whatever. And that's coming from a place where I, as a parent, I'm, you know, I don't feel, I feel like a failure or I don't feel, I don't have the self-esteem that, you know, I could have done the great things. I had dreams and goals too. Maybe I tried one or two of them and didn't work out. Or maybe I didn't try at all because I was just so, so scared, right? But I'm now pushing this, 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 this same negative, you know, sense of lack or sense of inability to do things onto my child. So you want to be careful of that, okay? And in the in the business sense, you know, working with um working with uh young young adults uh and adolescents, you want to be conscious that, you know, you're not trying to hold them back because, you know, young a young person comes into the organization and they're already thinking, man, I, I'm going to be, I want to be the manager, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't want to, you know, project your own, your own hangups, as it were, about, you know, career growth and development. Because you had a rough time, you know, it nearly didn't happen for you. Um, and, this, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to rain on their parade. No, be careful of that. So, 
understand in the approach, okay, that, you know, poor behavior performance by others might trigger you. And you only want to see, you only want, sorry, so poor performance. Um, so in the approach, okay, poor behavior or performance by others might trigger you. And you only want to see, you only want people to see the good in you. So, you may want to assign the faults that you have to others, all right? So, do some soul searching and ask someone to, you know, to, to give you an evaluation about some of your your strengths, your weaknesses, your faults, um, and use that as a, as a kind of guidance. So, you, you kind of become conscious, okay, these are some of the weak areas that I don't like to see, I don't like to acknowledge that I have, and I may have been projecting this onto others. Okay? Finally, think about your response as a parent, educator, business leader. Try to be as objective in your thought process about your response, okay? So, are you really telling your child that, you know, um, their goals are lofty because the goals are lofty? Or is it because you have um, limiting beliefs, a sense of low self-esteem, etc. in your life, and that is why you are telling them X, Y, and Z is not possible? So the last in these four areas uh, of negativity that we tend to be um, defaulting to as humans is binary thinking. So this happens when with even complex concepts, ideas, and problems, they are basically oversimplified into being one side or the other. <laughs> I was going to just kind of put on a political perspective, you know, you could kind of, you know, relate it to the politics of whatever country you're in, okay? A lot of countries, you know, we have um, two-party systems. So anyhow, the gray area in the middle is ignored or goes unnoticed. So, what this does really is gives us that sense of certainty. You know, it's like, okay, it's left or right, yes or no, black or white. We put gray away. Okay? This is about playing it safe. This is, you know, binary thinking. So sometimes, and this manifests like this. As a parent, we may say, June is the lazy one. Not thinking. Maybe she's not um, challenged or inspired or not in her gift or strength zone. And that's why she's not really doing anything significant. Or in the work world, if you, if you were saying that about June, saying June is a lazy one, we maybe we are, we are wrong because as a leader, we have not asked Okay, I'm the manager of this department. Have I asked, is June's supervisor providing adequate leadership? Yeah? Does she know the vision of the company? Is she um, aware of our targets? Has she been onboarded properly, etc.? Is there something happening in her space at home that may be affecting her on the job? But no, binary thinking is, it makes it easy just to say, 
Okay, she's a lazy one. Okay, so you know we reduce, and that we can do that with our children too, as well. You know, where we reduce them to just these one-off um, sentences or phrases. So we say, you know, Jim, Jim is a troublemaker. Yeah, you know, we 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 make these one-off statements. It sounds harmless. It sounds like, okay, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, it sounds harmless, but it actually impacts in a significant way our frame of reference because let's say you have two kids and you keep saying, you know, Jim is a troublemaker. Juliet, she's a reader. You know, we can't, you notice we, we have a negative um, default for Jim and for Juliet, we have a positive default. She's a reader, right? Juliet is a reader. Jim is a troublemaker, right? So we have to be careful because that, without knowing it, impacts how we parent. It impacts how we view the child as an educator. And then it is a domino effect from there, okay? So in dealing with binary thinking, we need to think about you know, the real issues, and we need to go deeper than the single issue. What else could be the reason for the behavior by the person, okay? Ask yourself, you know, what about the environment at home, in the workspace, in the community, depending on the perspective you're at. If you're the business leader, you know, maybe you want to have a one-on-one with your young person, you know, to you know offer them mentorship as well. You know, you want to try and provide support because they may be dealing with things outside of the workspace that is impacting their workspace. And similarly, as an educator, you want to find out um, how you could support them. If you, I know in the American system, we have parent um, coordinators, at least in the schools in New York City where I'm at, and they, you know, their role is to kind of bridge that gap and to help educators, the teachers, basically to work along with the, the families to ensure that the child's getting an optimal, you know, educational experience, okay? And wherever you are, if you could find a way to engage with your PTA, your parents, um, teachers, um, association meetings, that could create a sort of gap because you want to try and figure out, okay, do they have a stable environment at home? Maybe that's the challenge. That's why they're just, you know, when they're at class, they're just off, they're drifting. Maybe it's medical, Maybe their behavior might be a medical reason, okay? Could it be ADHD? Could it be anxiety? Could it be um, something on the medical side so or on the mental health side? So we want to go deeper than a single issue so that we could get to the bottom of what is the cause for the particular response or behavior that we see. Yeah, sometimes it's binary, but a lot of times it's not. It's not just a simple yes or no. Folks, I hope this episode was really helpful to you. I hope that, you know, there are one or two things that you could apply immediately to your experience as a parent. And um, I I wish you well in your parenting. Uh, in your educating and leading uh, young people on the business space. So for me, 
the negativity bias that really was the one that stung for me the most that was yeah i definitely have been a victim of that where i focus a lot on um the i've allowed the negative comment to register and sting and re, and and linger and out and overpower and outweigh <laughs> more than the the positive so that's something I'm, I'm you know actively working on and i hope that if that is something that you struggle with that you know you actively work on it too because you know it's 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 not a good it's not a good thing because what happens is that regardless of how much praise you get if you don't overcome this it'll be like nothing because you will just be so locked in on that one or two negative comments that are made uh, you know, about you so that was really for me what stood out feel free to connect with me on facebook daryl d butkin linkedin twitter instagram i'm just daryl butkin very easy to to connect and find me and you can shoot me an email at daryl butkin at gmail.com that's d-a-r-r-y-l-b-o-d-k-i-n i love you thank you so much for listening of course um in our next episode we're gonna dig some more into uh the strength building and i'm going to talk to you about what uh dr waters mentioned as an explanation of strengths in terms of how to recognize strengths okay so until then live epic <laughs>